Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after Jesus had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't this a lovely story of intimacy and wonder and friendship? Jesus is simply doing what Jesus does, and one of the disciples watches Jesus and feels drawn to Jesus' way and asks Jesus this simple question, would you teach us to pray? I love how he says, uh, teach us to pray. And I wonder if the rest of the disciples really wanted this as well. I mean, you know how some of us just get roped in because somebody else is assuming. It's like when Miska says, hey, we really need to get the yard mode. We really need to get the oil changed in the car. There is no we. What I hope we could hear this morning, though, is the depth of this question. Jesus, would you teach me to pray? Does anyone here need to know how to pray? They saw Jesus doing what Jesus did, and there was something so magnetic something that drew their heart and their hope, and they said, Jesus, could you, could you teach me how to do this, how to live this way? Jesus was not a manipulator. Jesus didn't guilt people into anything. Jesus lived a beautiful life, a God life. And those who were really paying attention often found themselves drawn into this Jesus way of living. It's what I hope for for my sons, and it's the thing that often brings tears in my deepest moments of weakness and failure when I recognize I am falling so very short. I hope that my sons, who are off at camp today, Mrs. getting them off today, but what I hope is that they would see something in me that in a way that perhaps they can't even describe and perhaps they won't even think much about until years from now, but something that they would describe as a beautiful life. That they would see beauty and strength and goodness and that they would want something of that. It's what I hope for our church. I hope that there is a kind of way of life that is made possible by the presence of the Holy Spirit by the act of love of Jesus Christ, that we don't toot lots of horns, but that we live a certain way and that there's a beauty to it. Few things are worse than a pushy, noisy, self-congratulatory Christian. And it feels so wrong because it's the opposite way of Jesus. Jesus is not just doctrinal truths. Jesus is not dogmas on a list. Jesus is a way. 
And this really is the heart of what it means to follow Jesus, is to simply listen to what Jesus says and watch what Jesus does. And in the unique way that we have been made with our unique voice and gifts to go and begin to follow in that same kind of beautiful life. Dallas Willard said, we need to be clear in our heads about what discipleship is. Every once in a while, we as Christians need to pause with the words we banty about and ask ourselves, what does this actually mean? I'll be honest with you, I almost never use the word discipleship. And it's not because it's a bad word. It's because what the word has become. (laughs) And usually it's the exact opposite of discipleship. It's a template. For what Jesus did is Jesus came and said, this is a way to be inhabited by the Spirit and to, to interrupt the old way of death with a new way of life. Let's come and do this together. And then we Christians, we like to package it and template it and give you seven steps and a booklet and say, if you just do these things three months from now, you're a disciple. Well, what we need to do, Dallas says, is be clear in our heads about what discipleship is. And this is his definition. You don't have to like this definition. This is his definition. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. A disciple is not a person who has things under control. A disciple is not a person who has things under control. A disciple is not necessarily a person who knows a lot of things. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. A disciple is one who is constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. Now Dallas says something else uh, elsewhere that I think is equally important. He says, it's not so much a question of what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if Jesus were you? Can you hear the difference? It's not just, oh, let me mimic. It's how is the life of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit being made new, and we're just going to do away with this, being made new in this body and this mind and this heart and this hope. Henry Nouwen, in his fantastic book, The Wounded Healer, says a very similar thing from a slightly different angle. He says, the imitation of Christ does not mean to live a life like Christ, but to live your life as authentically as Christ lived it. And I think if we can put these things together, there is a sense in which what the Holy Spirit is doing is recreating persons and communities to be fresh witnesses of the power and the inbreaking resurrection of Jesus Christ in this moment and this place. And at the very heart of that is prayer. We probably need to rethink what prayer is, too. Prayer is not just the 30 minutes or the seven minutes, or the four seconds when we are kneeled with the Bible before us. Jesus responds, he says, you want to know how to pray? When you pray, pray like this. 
And here Jesus was doing the very heart of his work with his disciples. This was not some side topic. This was Jesus passing to the disciples the burning core. Jesus said that his work was to listen to the Father and do what the Father said. To be in constant relationship with the Father. Jesus, in fact, said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I really wish there could be a groundswell of people who were learning to follow Jesus, who, like Jesus says, I actually don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. My job, Jesus said, is to point to God, to listen to God, and to be a witness in the world of God's inbreaking power, because when I'm here, God is here. This is kind of similar to what it means to be a pastor, not in any sense that a pastor is Jesus, but that the heart of pastoral work is to point people towards God, which means the heart of pastoral work is to help people learn to pray. For many, though, pastoring is almost everything else, and this is true for lots of us pastors. Running programs, being a winsome communicator, building a church, and with all of that, communion with God barely makes the list. But the very heart of what it means to learn to follow Jesus is to learn to be a person of prayer, which means to learn to be a person whose life is, is learning how to continually be opened up to the presence of God. And those prayers are verbal and spoken, and sometimes they are subconscious, and always, because Paul says pray without ceasing, it is a posture of our soul and our heart. And so he gives them the prayer, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Or as the NRSVC, it says, do not bring us into the time of trial. So this is the big moment. There's probably not too many larger questions, more powerful for the future of the faith than when Jesus himself says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And it's five lines. It's 38 words. Matthew's version is only a tad longer, but not by much. That's the instruction. That's the whole sermon. That's it. Jesus didn't actually give them a sermon. He didn't give them a lecture. Jesus showed them what to do. Jesus said, if you want to learn how to pray, then pray like I do. In Jesus' prayers, every prayer in the Bible really is short. It's pretty fascinating to go through the Bible and look at all of the, the overt, obvious prayers that were given. And there's not a lot of words there. I think maybe it's because sometimes our words aren't what we most need. We need, most need to hear God's words. Maybe we just talk too much. But also, I think it's because these prayers that are spoken are really only the tip of the iceberg. Don't you know, don't you sense in your heart sometimes when you're praying, it's like like Paul says in Romans, "I, I don't have the words. And the great news is that we have a Holy Spirit who prays for us when we don't know how to pray. 
I think that these prayers that are spoken are maybe the only part that we can speak. But they represent so much more of our soul, our aches, our longings, so much more of ourself that we're offering to God or trying to offer to God. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, we learn that prayer is relational. From the very first word, it's Father, or in Matthew, our Father. When Jesus teaches us to pray, we learn that prayer is really not about us at all. It's about God. It's not merely about a moment. It's about a way of being human in the world that is learning how to be remade by God's active presence. When Jesus teaches us to pray, we learn that our life is start to finish dependent. So this is why it goes back to the idea that being a disciple is not about being in control. Most of us really struggle with being dependent because when we are dependent, we are out of control. We depend on God for our daily bread. This is difficult for us. It's not even our monthly bread. It's our daily bread. Our anxiety often comes because we want all of our bread in the bank. But this prayer teaches us radical dependence, just as Israel had to learn with their daily manna. We're dependent on God for forgiveness. God, forgive me. For healing, for our heart's wounds, for the wounds that we've inflicted on others. If God doesn't forgive us, Forgiving others and being forgiven are so intertwined because all of this is about the heart's healing, which is what happens when your life becomes attuned to the presence of God, which is prayer. So Jesus finishes with that story about the guy who comes at midnight banging on the door. The friend, who doesn't seem like much of a friend, comes to the door. In this culture, everyone probably would have been sleeping in one room. It's like, don't wake up the kids. Those of you who have little kids, you're like, you can give the guy a break, right? Like, please do not wake up the kids. The whole point of the story is that, though, God's not like that. That's not the way God works. God's not the sort that if you ask for bread, it's going to give you a stone. My boys... Um, probably sometimes in the summer, twice a week, will call me when I'm out and say, hey, Dad. Uh, and they've, they've, they've gotten more savvy as time has gone on. Um, and now they play the cards really, really well. Hey, Dad, um, you know, you don't have to do this. I know you're busy. I know you're working hard today. Um, so if you can't do this, it's totally not a problem. You know, so I'm already melting, you know. <laughs> but, you know, um, on your way home, if you can, if it's not too expensive... Um, we'd love a shake from cookout. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you don't have to. If you want to. And you know what I'm going to do almost every stinking time? I'm pulling into cookout. <laughs> They're bad shakes. <laughs> they are massively unhealthy for you. They're not even real ice cream. There's some kind of dairy thing. <laughs> Honestly, 
It's not in our food budget to be getting shakes twice a week. <laughs> but I love those boys. And when they say, Dad, I'd really love a shake. It's three bucks. If I can, I will move heaven and earth to get those two kids a shake. That is the way our father is. And immediately, I know all the objections. I've prayed. I've prayed. It hasn't happened. I feel so distant. All of that is true, and I honor it. And I join you in it. I experience that so much. It does not change the way our Father's heart is. This is our Father's heart. Would you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.